And if your business is in the growth phase, that you have all the characteristics I've just talked about, and you're not able to get bank loans, then I advise you, I strongly advise you to change banks, right? Most countries, you have several different banks, and many of them are competing against each other for business. If you have a growing business, and you have a solid track record in terms of your banking activity, then what it tells me is that your bank account, your, your account officer is not doing his job or her job, and your bank is taking you for granted. So it's time that you use your market power and leverage that you have and get them to pay attention to you and support your business by giving you short-term funds or you move over to another business that will appreciate your value as somebody who has market power and leverage because growing businesses are exactly what banks are looking for. Once you can show the, the track record, you can show that you have the sales, you have the cash flow coming in, banks will love to do business with you. So if your bank is currently not doing that with you, you urgently need to change your bank. Every big thing starts small. It's a natural law. Every big multinational corporation was once a small business. Welcome to the Small Starter Business Podcast, a unique podcast for practical tips and advice to help you start, grow, or turn around your business. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Small Starter Business Podcast. I am your host, John Paul Iwoha. Today's episode is uh, quite interesting. Uh, we're going to be talking about how to use other people's money to grow your business. So how to use other people's money, like other people's money, I like to call it OPM, how to use other people's money to grow your business. And um, in as much as it's a fascinating topic, I need to quickly explain, you know, what this means. And when I say using other people's money to grow your business, the focus of this episode is on the type of capital that's called working capital. So as you can imagine, there are two, two main types of working capital, and you can always see this on the balance sheet of an organization. There's short-term working capital, which is working capital, and there's long-term working capital, which uh, some people uh, refer to as fixed capital. Now, when it comes to working capital, what exactly do I mean? Working capital are short-term funds for boosting your business and for taking care of running costs. Usually, these running costs are within six months to one year. Or maybe the limit is one year but these are funds that you use to take care of short-term requirements in the business for example to buy raw materials for making your product or to purchase stock and inventory if you are a trader you know another will be rent short-term rents maybe from a couple of months to up to a year that falls within uh, short-term uh, running expenses uh, other things like energy like if you're buying fuel for your backup power for your generator that is part of a running cost if you're going to hire labor and you're going to be paying wages and salaries that falls under uh, short-term capital requirements that you need for working capital also logistics if you're going to uh, get involved in transporting things or moving around getting things done these are just i'm i'm sure you get the 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 gist of it these are funds that you need to take care of day-to-day uh, -day expenses in the business it's not money you can tie down it's not fixed capital this is working capital not right and now when i say you can use other people's money to grow your business um how come how is that even possible for anybody who's been following my line of work you would already know that there are four stages of business 
you know, uh, there's the idea stage, there's a startup stage, there's a growth stage, and there's a maturity stage. The, the kind of money I'm, I'm going to talk about in today's episode is best enjoyed by businesses in the growth stage or maturity stage. And I'm going to explain why, right? When your business is in the growth stage or in the maturity stage, what it gives you is market power and leverage. And you know, if you're going to get other people's money, you need to have leverage because clearly that other person wants something that you have, you know? And that is something that uh, businesses in the idea stage or startup stage cannot do. You are in an inferior position. You don't have a you are not in a leveraged position. But if your business is in the growth stage, you can you have more market power and you can use more leverage. And by market power and leverage, what exactly do I mean? One sign of market power and leverage in a growth business is the sales and cash flows. So a growing business is making consistent sales. In fact, for a growing business, the problem is not how to make sales. The problem is how to satisfy the growing uh, demand from customers. So for a growing business, one telltale sign is that the business is struggling under its current capacity. It's struggling to meet the consumer demand. So it's not even about um, how to get customers. Customers are not a problem. The problem is how do we produce enough products? How do we provide enough services to serve the growing demand that we have? Right. So that's what it means. So for these kinds of businesses, they are making sales. There's cash flow. Money is coming in. Right. And that's one thing that gives them their market power and their leverage. Another thing that gives market power and leverage to a growing business is their track record. So you've been making consistent sales over the last one year, over the last two years. What it shows, if somebody looks at your your bank statement or the activity in your bank account, what we're going to see is a steady increase in the amount of cash inflows that are coming in. So maybe in, in maybe in January last year, you made $10,000 in sales. By June, you had grown to $72,000. And by June this year, you're doing almost three times what you did, you know, by this time last year. That is a sign of growth. So that is track record. If the banks are looking at your account statement, what they see is consistent progression in your turnover, in your sales, in your cash inflows. And the, the other thing this does for you is that it gives you credibility. You know, when you're talking to somebody to invest in your business, so you're trying to use other people's money and you're a business that does turnover of $100,000 or $200,000 or $1 million, you have more credibility than another person with a business that's not doing as much turnover, right? So the track record gives you much more market power. It gives you higher leverage to be able to ask for other people's money, like I'm going to explain, right? And then the other thing, the other reason why growth businesses and maturity businesses have much more market power and leverage is that they are perceived as lower risk. I'm not going to be scared that the business that is doing a turnover of $1 million is going to run away with my money. Let's say I invest uh, $10,000 or $50,000 in that kind of business. I'm not going to be as afraid of them running away compared to giving that same amount of money to a business that is not making any sales, is struggling to get on its feet, all they have is a business idea or a business plan, right? So once you're a growing business, you're perceived as lower risk because you now have customers, you have people who depend on you, you have employees, you have commitments. It's, it's harder for you to run away with other people's money compared to somebody else who just has an idea and is a one-man show, 
right? So I wanted to make this very clear. If your business is in the growth stage of business, or it's already a mature business, essentially you have sales, consistent growing sales, and you know uh, consistent cash flows. You have a track record and credibility that is built on the kind of turnover that you're doing, and then you're perceived as lower risk. You're really going to enjoy the tips I'm going to share with you in this episode. So let's look at the, the ways you can use other people's money. And in this episode, I want to talk specifically about five sources of other people's money that you can explore to your advantage if you're a growing business. That's if you have these three points I, I mentioned, sales and cash flows, uh, track record and credibility and lower risk. Now, one major source of other people's money you can use, unsurprisingly, is your customers, right? So let me explain. One way that custom, and I'm going to give you some interesting examples of um, companies that are doing this, you know, big companies, mature companies. So what they do is they ask for upfront payments from their, from their customers. When you're perceived as lower risk, when you have higher market power and more leverage, you can do something that other businesses cannot do, which is to ask your customers to pay in advance, right? This is going to work. This is really going to work well as a strategy. If your business has some kind of waiting period or if the product or service is customized, right? So rather than um, customers pay and get the products immediately, they have to pay in advance if they want to get the product. And, you know, take Coca-Cola, for example. Now, Coca-Cola sells to mostly B2Bs, right? They sell to other businesses, especially supermarkets. Now, for those people who are not uh, players in that industry or don't understand the way it works, do you know that many people who buy from Coca-Cola, especially from especially their distributors, they have to pay Coca-Cola in advance, at least in my own country. That's how it works. You have to pay in advance. And sometimes it takes weeks or months before you get your delivery of the coca-cola products you've ordered so if you run i have clients who run supermarkets right they want to buy coca-cola they have to pay and they want to buy directly from the company they pay in advance and then the truck shows up weeks after or sometimes one month or two months after to deliver the product to them so what essentially is happening here coca-cola is doing business with other people's money it's doing business with its customer's money because as a customer, you pay in advance for a bulk order of Coca-Cola products for your supermarket to resell and you don't get that product immediately. You have to wait for weeks or months. And in that time that you're waiting, the money is already in Coca-Cola's account. They're already using the money for other things, uh, buying raw materials, doing whatever. Essentially, your money is not just sitting in some account somewhere. Because the business is like a perpetual engine. It keeps turning, right? So if big and accomplished companies like Coca-Cola can do this to their customers, and it's perfectly normal. After all, many of those people who pay in advance, those customers, they're happy to do it because they want Coca-Cola products. Coca-Cola products make money for them. They are patrons, they are customers are always asking for Coca-Cola products. So it's some sort of win-win, right? And then when you buy directly from the company, you buy at a lower price. So it's not as if it is some kind of economic oppression. There's a win-win here where you're in a situation where your customers are happy to pay you in advance and then you deliver later. Also, like I mentioned, it works well in businesses where your product or service is customized, where before the customer gets what they paid for, they have to wait for it. So if you're going to build a house for somebody or if you're building customized software or something like that, these are businesses where it is not uncommon for your customer to pay you in advance and then you deliver later. And when the customer pays you, you use that money to buy raw materials, you pay staff, you do a couple of things, 
It's perfectly normal. It's other people's money. And if you couldn't take that money from your customers, you would have had to go outside to go and look for money. So this is one creative and intelligent way that businesses, both um, big and small, as long as you are in a phase where you now have some track record, some credibility, people trust that you will not run away with their money. It's normal in some industries that your customers will pay you in advance. The only downside is that if you do this too much, you know, and you are not able to manage the cash flows well, you could get into a situation where you start disappointing customers. You don't deliver when you say you deliver. You are robbing Peter to pay Paul. You take money from one customer to settle the job of another customer. And this really happens when you are not managing your cash flows. You are spending more than you should and, and things like that. So customers are one creative source of raising money for your business in terms of other people's money. The second source of other people's money is suppliers, right? So did you know that most big uh, growing companies don't pay their, their suppliers immediately? You see, so when in my working career in corporate, it's very normal. No supplier supplies anything and expects to get paid immediately. Most times there are, you have to wait for 30 days. Sometimes you wait for 45 days. Some have 60 days. Some have 90 days. When I worked in the oil industry, it was not uncommon that you had to, after submitting your invoice, after providing the service, you had to wait 60 days or 90 days before you get paid. Some people even get paid after 180 days. So you see what is happening. You've, you're, you get the service or the product from your supplier and you're working, you're getting, you've gotten value from your supplier, but you don't pay your supplier until later. And it's very common in business to business spheres, B2V spheres. Most businesses don't pay cash immediately. They delay. They give 30 days, 60 days, 45 days, 90 days. And it's called payables, right? In, in, um, in, in, in those kind of companies, it's called payables, where payables is more or less um, the department or the area of your accounting that handles paying your suppliers, mostly your suppliers, people you owe, right? So it's, it's, very, it's very normal. I have, a, I have a friend who runs a diesel supply company. And he supplies, most of his clients are banks and big organizations and telecoms companies. He's a very small business. He has like maybe three staff, very small business. Even though he's supplying all these big companies, including the banks that more or less should have money, they don't pay immediately. They pay him after 30 days, sometimes 45 days. And it's perfectly normal. And you know, you need to look at this as a win-win. If suppliers will only supply to you when you have cash to pay them, it, li it limits your capacity to do business. So what your suppliers are doing is they are able to make more sales because they are selling to you on credit. And they're happy to sell to you on credit because if they insist on you paying cash, you may not do, you may not buy as much. So to incentivize you to buy more, they give you credit. So that's where you can buy more from them. And because you're buying more from them, you can increase the capacity of your business. You can do more, you can sell more, you can serve more customers. So it's a win-win. That's, uh, that's one common way that um, growing businesses are able to use other people's money. If you're, if you're a supplier and you see a growing business, you want to be part of, that, part of that growth story. And one way suppliers get themselves involved in growing businesses is that they supply on credit. So that is one incentive, that is one benefit that growing businesses get. Because they have higher market power and because they have leverage, they are able to get concessions from suppliers. A supplier may not supply to every business on credit. If you are a small business like a startup, you're not making as much sales. 
your cash flows are really not there. Most suppliers will insist on cash. They pay, they supply you and you pay them immediately. But that same supplier will be happy to supply goods on credit to a bigger business, a growing business that has much more cash flow, much more sales and stuff like that. So it's all a matter of risk. To the supplier, supplying a startup is risky because they don't have the sales already. They may not be able to pay. But for that same supplier, supplying to a growing business is less risky because this is a business that is doing well, is turning over, making sales, has a track record, right? So they are okay to give them, extend credits to them, and it's perfectly normal. So like I said, these are some of the benefits that, that um, growing businesses get because of their higher market power and the leverage that they can use. The third OPM, other people's money I want to talk about, which is quite interesting, is the banks, right? On a fundamental level, I want to believe that you understand how banks work. Banks hold everybody's money. In this day and age, most people have a bank account. So people deposit their money in the banks and then the banks lend that money to businesses and consumers. So essentially, the bank is holding other people's money. And if you can convince the bank to give you some of that money, it can be a major source of capital, especially working capital for a growing business. Because what it means is that people put their money in the banks because they don't need them now, right? So you can find a way to get access to other people's money if you can give the banks what they want. And now what do the banks want? The banks, you know, the banks are looking for businesses that have a high chance to pay back. Banks will only give money to a business that has a high chance of, of paying back. And there is no business that meets that criterion more than a growing business or a mature business because a growing business is making consistent sales, right? The cash flows are very interesting, are favorable. Making sales is not a problem. Money is coming in. They have a track record. The business is growing. And of course, they're perceived as lower risk. So a growing business has far more potential when it comes to raising money from the banks compared to a startup that is not making any interesting sales or an idea stage business. Somebody who just has a business idea, has a business plan, but doesn't have any real sales or any real customers. Banks don't look at those people, but banks are interested in growing businesses. Banks are interested in mature businesses. Why? They have the cash flows. When you have cash flows, you can pay back. If you take a loan, you can pay back the loan because money is coming into the business. That's the kind of businesses that banks are looking for. And they will happily give you the other people's money that they are holding so that they can make money from it. Because what the bank wants is to make money. The bank is a business. The banking industry is a major business. They make money from interest. So, but they will not give you a loan, except they are very sure that you will pay back that money, that loan with interest. So that's why they love giving money to mature businesses and growing businesses. Businesses that have a track record. Businesses that when you look at their bank, that their, their bank account activity, or you look at their bank statement, you see a progression of growth in terms of uh, the amount of money that's coming in and the amount of money that's going out. Those are the kinds of businesses that banks like to deal with. But a startup doesn't have an interesting bank statement because they are still struggling to make sales. So that's why banks will not look at them. So banks are a major source of other people's money. And most successful entrepreneurs, you know, locally and internationally, they use bank, bank money a lot because the banks are holding billions of other people's money. So why do business with your own money when you can do business with other people's money and pay for it, right? It makes a lot of sense, but it may not make sense to you if your business is not yet at the growth phase. And if your business is in the growth phase, that you have all the characteristics I've just talked about. 
and you're not able to get bank loans, then I advise you, I strongly advise you to change banks, right? Most countries, you have several different banks and many of them are competing against each other for business. If you have a growing business and you have a solid track record in terms of your banking activity, then what it tells me is that your bank account, your, your account officer is not doing his job or her job and your bank is taking you for granted. So it's time that you use your market power and leverage that you have and get them to pay attention to you and support your business by giving you short-term funds or you move over to another business that will appreciate your value as somebody who has market power and leverage because growing businesses are exactly what banks are looking for. Once you can show the, the track record, you can show that you have the sales, you have the cash flow coming in, banks will love to do business with you. So if your bank is currently not doing that with you, you urgently need to change your bank. So I, I have to leave it at that. The fourth um, OPM, other people's money I want to talk about, believe you me, is governments, right? Now, apart from the banks, the biggest holder of other people's money is government, especially from the tax revenues that they make. You People pay tax from their salaries, from their income, from their profits. Government is, is holding a lot of other people's money. And the interesting thing is, some of this money is used to provide grants and low interest loans to businesses. Why? The engine of most economies in Africa, even around the world, is run by small and mid-sized businesses. SMEs are responsible for creating the most jobs. They are the ones who actually run the economy in terms of the provision of, of, of products and services, right? So politicians find that they have to support small businesses because they are the ones who create jobs. And the more jobs you create, the more uh, popular political support you get, the more popular support you get. So politicians through the instruments of governments are always looking for ways to support growing businesses. And the reason um, all these government programs are interested in growing businesses is that they are more interested in funding businesses that can create jobs, right? That's why they are always interested in agriculture, farming, sometimes manufacturing, trading, right? They are, and even uh, construction, they are looking for businesses that can create instant jobs because those jobs are tied to their political fortunes, right? They're also looking for businesses that can, that can pay tax. So if they know that they support a business, that business can succeed and then pay more tax and even support the economy because every business is contributing to that thing called GDP that most economies are measured by, right? So it's interesting that there are all these programs in my own country, for example, you have the Bank of Industry, you have the um, Anchor Borrowers Program that's targeted at farmers, right? And this is run by the central bank, right? So it may not be, it may not be very available or very obvious to most people because of the sometimes the lack of transparency, sometimes the corruption that beclouds some of these programs. But you can take it from me that government as a holder, as a major holder of other people's money, is willing to give away some of that money to businesses that can give them what they want, which is more jobs, more tax, uh, a growing economy, right? So there is a win-win opportunity right there. And there are, there are businesses that have, you know, that, that totally understand it. And they are always looking out for those opportunities for grants and low-interest loans from government because government money is cheap. It's other people's money. It's even cheaper than what the commercial banks 
will give you. That's why some people are very um, interested. Some entrepreneurs are very interested in other people's money. Now, the fifth type of other people's money I want to talk about is investors' money, investment capital. Unlike the banks and governments, investment capital is private capital that is looking for returns on investment. It could be from wealthy people, rich people, or even ordinary people, retail investors who are looking for returns on their investment. Essentially, these are not people who want to put their money in a bank for, this, for the small or meager interest rates that the banks pay, right? These are not people who just want to tie up their money in real estate. These are people who are actively looking for businesses to invest in. And when you're an investor and you're looking for a business to invest in, you would rather invest in a business that has a high chance of success to give you the return on investment you're looking for. And those kinds of businesses are usually growing businesses or mature businesses because these are businesses that are already making sales. They're already bringing in positive cash flow. They already have a track record. They are credible. They, the perceived risk is lower. Right. So that's why investors, private capital is always looking for these kinds of businesses. And by private capital, they can range from angel investors, venture capital, private equity. Essentially, these investors are looking for scalable businesses. So what they're looking for, for example, is a business that is making, let's say, for example, $50,000 right now. And what they see is that if they can pump in money into that business, that business can move from $50,000 to $500,000. That's what scalability means. That is exactly what scalability means. So they are looking for that kind of scalability in a business. And most times, growing businesses offer the opportunity of scalability because they've already figured out the product. They have customers buying the product and they are struggling with demand right so what private capital does is they bring in that money the growing business can able to, can be able to expand and meet growing demand and then this will impact their sales and their profits so that's exactly how these guys work and private capital can provide their capital in terms of they could be equity or debt deals they could provide a loan or they could or they could take a, a stake in the business and another interesting thing about um private uh, capital is that sometimes they can come with added benefits like networking. They can introduce you. There, there are some things, for example, that money cannot buy for a growing business. For example, who you know, you know, relationships are very important. Who do you know? The kind of people you know can determine the kind of your access to talent, getting high quality employees, getting high quality distributors, Getting access to people who can support you in decision making, strategic thinking, and all of all those important things that money cannot buy. So that's one benefit of getting private capital because when some of these people come in, they are professional business, uh, they are business professionals. They have experience in a wide range of industries. They can introduce you to people. They can help you think through issues. So these are some interesting things that you can do with um, not just other people's money, but other people's time, other people's expertise, other people's experience. So at this point, let's recap. I started this episode by talking about market power and leverage. And I said of the four types of businesses, two of them, growing businesses and mature businesses, have higher market power and they have higher leverage. And because they have higher market power and higher leverage, they are able to negotiate better terms. They are able to use other people's money in ways that an idea stage business or a startup cannot because they have higher market power and higher leverage. 
How come? They are making much more sales. A growing business, for a growing business, sales is not a problem. The problem is how to meet the demand that they are facing. For, for them, cash flows might be an issue, but there's money coming in because they are making sales. They have a track record. Their business has been growing consistently. And if you look at their bank statement or their bank activity, you are going to see signs of a business that is growing because every month they are making, they are selling more. And when you compare this month to this same month last year, you can see the year-on-year -year increase, that, that sort of thing. So they have a, a better credibility and there's a lower risk because I would rather give that kind of business money because I don't think they will run to anywhere. They're already making sales. They have customers. They have employees that depend on them. They have existing business obligations. It's not easy for these kinds of businesses to cut and run compared to somebody who just has a business idea or has a startup that can close down and nobody will notice, right? Right. So, so these are the things that make a growing business or a mature business have more market power and leverage. As a result, they can use other people's money. And I talked about five different types of other people's money. These kinds of businesses can make customers pay in advance. So they use a lot of their customers' money to do business. Another source is suppliers. Businesses that are growing or are already mature, their market power and leverage allows them to get credit from their suppliers. Many of them, many of them don't pay their suppliers immediately. Some of them pay after 30 days, 45 days, 60 days, and it's perfectly normal for the supplier because it's a win-win. Because these, the businesses that the suppliers supply already have customers. So if they are able to sell to them on credit, the supplier can sell more, and then the business too can serve more customers. So it's a win-win. The third source of other people's money I talked about are the banks. The banks hold a lot of depositors' money. The banks hold a lot of other people's money. And if you can show them that you are a business that has a track record and the cash flows to pay back any loan they give you plus the interest, then you are their best friend. That's how banks make money. They give businesses to businesses. They give uh, loans and debt. They give other people's money to businesses that have a high chance of paying back. And then the fourth type of OPM, other people's money I talked about, is taxpayers' money from the government. So governments are always giving out grants and uh, low interest loans to businesses that can deliver on the mandate that the politicians are interested in. What are politicians interested in? More jobs. Why? More jobs mean that they can get more popular support to win the next election. They need more taxes. More taxes mean that the government can do, the government can do more, invest in infrastructure, grow popular support, and they can win the next election, right? Governments are interested in businesses because they want to grow the economy. The more the economy grows, the more favorably people look at the politicians, the more popular support they get, the higher the chance that they win the next election. So that's exactly how these things work. And then the fifth um, source of other people's money is investment capital private capital that is looking for opportunities to gain return on investment. And these businesses, these investors are looking for businesses that have a good chance of scalability. So if they are doing $50,000 today, they want a business that they can pump money into and that business can start doing $100,000, $150,000 or even $500,000. That is scalability. And a business that can do that can assure returns on investment for anybody who provides um, money to them. So. At this point in the episode, we are now in a special segment by our sponsor, uh, Queza. Queza, which is K-U-U-E-Z-A, is an interesting platform. It's a trailblazing platform that is definitely going to change how businesses in Africa are able to enter markets outside of Africa. If you already know, 
one of the biggest limitations for businesses in Africa is that we have low export potential, right? So somebody who is um, pr producing shea butter in Senegal or Ghana, you know, can sell more and earn more if they are able to sell to customers in the U.S., the first is the prices can be better. And the second is the foreign exchange, right? It's very likely that the amount of money they earn by selling to customers in America or Europe, by the time they convert that to their local currency, th that income will be better than selling that share butter locally. So that's exactly what Quesa is doing. Quesa is helping African merchants gain access to international markets. So if you, if you are selling a product that will do that will earn potentially better, that will end significantly better if you are able to sell to customers outside of Africa, outside of your country. You know, so Quesa is not just about outside of Africa. If you're, you, if you're going to do better by selling your product outside Nigeria, outside Ghana, maybe you have a merchant in Nigeria selling to somebody in Kenya, you have a merchant in Ghana selling to somebody in Botswana, you have a merchant in Ethiopia selling to somebody in Cote d'Ivoire. That's exactly what we're seeing. So we're, we're seeing the beginnings of uh, possibly Africa's Alibaba, for possibly Africa's version of Alibaba, because this is exactly what Alibaba did for the Chinese um, market. It helped Chinese manufacturers, Chinese producers to gain access to export markets. And that's exactly what this fascinating business is doing, Quesa. So to check it out, if you're, if you're interested in selling on the platform, if you're interested in accessing foreign markets, and the thing is, they handle everything from logistics to payment. So you don't need to bother about things like letter of credit, how the, how the person abroad will pay you, all these issues that get in the way of export trade. Quesa manages all of that. All you do is you're able to get orders from, from foreign markets. And then Quesa handles the logistics, the delivery, transportation, and all that. Very simple, very easy. So to check out Quesa, like I said, it's K-U-U-E-Z-A. As a merchant, if you sell something to check out Quesa, go to the App Store or the, uh, the, the App Store on, on an Apple device or on an Android device. Check for Quesa Seller. That's Quesa Seller. K-U-U-Z-A. Seller. K-U-U-E-Z-A. K-U-U-E-Z-A. Seller. Just check, search for that in your App Store. The app is going to come up. If you are outside of Africa, or you are within Africa and you're looking for opportunities to buy things from other African countries, right? Or if you're outside Africa and you're looking for ways to source products from within the African continent, just search for Quesa user. That would be Quesa, K-U-U-E-Z-A, user on your app store. And then you can get rolling with this very interesting app. When this thing really, really blows up, don't forget I told you so. So at this point in the episode, there are four things I needed to consider. The first is to join the Insiders program. The knowledge you've gotten from what I shared in this episode is coming as a result of questions I've gotten from members of our Insiders program, right? You get to that point where you need to get creative in how you fund your business. And it's when you belong to a community of ambitious entrepreneurs who are building different kinds of businesses, then you start to see different kinds of ideas pop into your head. So the Insiders is a private community of entrepreneurs from over 20 plus countries within and outside Africa. We are building different kinds of businesses. We are learning from each other. There are networking opportunities, collaboration opportunities, you know, and, and, and all sorts. So to learn more about the insiders and get the opportunity to work closer with me and all the other amazing entrepreneurs who are within our community, check us out at smallstarter.com slash insiders. 
smallstarter.com slash insiders. The second thing I need you to consider is to tell your friends about this podcast. The quality of financial education, business education, you get from the Small Starter Business podcast is based a whole lot on practical stuff, things that work on the ground, especially in emerging markets like Africa, right? This is not theoretical stuff because for, for people like us, right, we only we only eat what we kill. You know what that means? We're like hunters, right? So we don't have the leisure of theory. If it doesn't work, it can help me. So, and I'm not one of those gurus or consultants who is an employee somewhere. This is really what I do. I support entrepreneurs and this is exactly how I live. I live on what I kill. So I don't have the, the leisure, like I said, of theory. So if you have friends who are going to benefit from practical knowledge, practical stuff, ask them to check out the Small Starter Business Podcast. They can Google it, Small Starter Business Podcast, and it's going to come up there. And we have a backlog of very interesting episodes they can start listening to so that they can enrich themselves. And the reason we're doing this is we believe the future will be created by entrepreneurs. Many of Africa's problems will be fixed by entrepreneurs. Many of the jobs we're looking for will be created by people who have bright ideas and have the guts and have the will to work on those ideas, make them into businesses and hire people. A lot of the innovation, a lot of the problem solving will come from people who are willing to take risk, right? So that's exactly the community we're working. If you're somebody who has dreams and you're willing to take risk, you're, put, you're willing to put your money where your mouth is, right? This is exactly the kind of community we're looking to build. So recommend the Small Starter Business Podcast to your friends, your smart friends, those ones who are willing to do uh, something. And also, if you've been enjoying the content, this would be a nice time to leave us a five-star review. Besides following us, I forgot to mention this. If you're on an Android device, you can use something like Google Podcasts, right? So Google Podcasts is, an, is, an, is a podcast app. The moment our episodes go live, you're going to get an alert on your phone that, you know, there's a new episode of the Small Starter Business Podcast. So that way you don't miss out on our episodes. Same thing on the on the Apple device. Apple has a podcast um, podcast app, right? So if you subscribe to the Small Starter Business Podcast, you would easily and quickly get our new episodes. And while you're at it, it would be nice to give us a five-star review. It would be a very good pat on the back. And I really appreciate it and thank you in advance. So of course, I'm going to close by also mentioning the Insiders program. If you've been listening to the Small Starter Business Podcast, why not take the next step upwards? Why not come into our community? Why not join us, right? What we're doing is, is pretty amazing. And of course, it's a, it's a monthly subscription. So if you don't like it, you can always stop. But I think you need to give the insiders a shot. Check us out at smallstarter.com slash insiders. Until the very next episode, stay safe. I forgot to mention, I got my first jab of the COVID-19 vaccine. Yeah, so I'm mentioning this for those of us who may be skeptical about it or something, right? I know that um, for my business to survive, I need to be in the game. Yeah, so while you're busy, I know you're very busy and all that, but try and make inquiries. I didn't, I didn't even know that the place to get the vaccine was not too far away from where I live, right? So try to um, put yourself first. You might be very busy building your business, but it's important to pay attention to your health. Uh, pay attention to the risk and things like that. So I got my first jab and I'm due for the second and final jab in three months time. So I just thought I should mention this. Stay safe and um, whatever you're working on may be hard right now. But if you keep at it, you're definitely going to get better at it. And you are also going to find the success you're looking for. I wish you all the very best. Cheers.
I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Small Starter Business Podcast. To take our free business courses or join one of our signature programs for special entrepreneurs like you, head over to smallstarter.com to join our private community. See you inside.